Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. Happy 2022, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers. This is the first of 2022, so I hope you all had a happy new year. You know, baseball is still locked out, so it's not a happy new year thus far for baseball fans. But regardless, we got a cool show today. David's going to present a segment in a little bit that's a little off the wall, out of left field for sure. We're going to talk some Dodgers baseball, so we're going to start the show off with this topic, though. Rob Manfred sucks. What I'm talking about. He does. He does. Yes. Uh, Go ahead, David. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Uh, Happy New Year. If you didn't hear, Rob Manfred fired Ken Rosenthal from MLB Network for being critical of it. As simple as that. I'm not 100% sure what Ken Rosenthal said. Uh, I believe it was on a podcast or some segment where he was not too kind to Rob Manfred. Now, if you know Ken Rosenthal, you know he wasn't going to eviscerate him uh, because that's not the type of guy Ken Rosenthal is. But this is one of the worst PR moves I've seen in a long time because he just looks like a giant baby. Uh, Silencing your critics, eliminating a job of one of, if not the best baseball reporter in the world, at worst, the second best baseball reporter in the world for simply criticizing your job is cowardly, pathetic, and just plain stupid. Jake Reiner, it, I want yeah, to let you go. In. Go ahead. It, it, it's, a, it's a bad PR move on a number of fronts. The other front is the fact that Ken Rosenthal is sort of your – uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of baseball, uh, you know, Jeff Passan too is, is of, of that level. Um, you know, the Adam Schefters of the world, the, the, the cream of the crop, when Ken Rosenthal tweets something out, um, a trade, a free agent signing, it, it is good to go. I mean, that, that is usually the case. It wasn't the case uh, last year with the, with Padres and <laughs> yeah. Scherzer, but literally that was like the only one in my lifetime of following Ken Rosenthal that he really was wrong about something that badly. Um, but be that as it may, he is the guy that, you know, MLB network had that was their guy to go to. I mean, I know they have Joel Sherman and John Heyman, but Ken Rosenthal is above those guys when it comes to his sourcing, when it comes to his reporting. Um, He is looked at as the um, the gold standard in sports journalism and baseball journalism. So it just it just seems like every move that Rob Manfred makes is the wrong move. 
it, it's almost like George Costanza in Seinfeld. There's that one episode where he literally does the opposite of every instinct he's ever had. And actually that's what gets him the job with the New York Yankees in that episode, because he does everything the opposite. I think Rob Manfred should do that. If he has an inkling or, you know, a gut feeling about something, just do the opposite of whatever that is. It's probably the right move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the last year, last two years, I should say, our commissioner has called the world series trophy, a piece of metal. He basically let the Astros off the hook, gave them a little slap on the wrist and, and almost encouraged teams to continue cheating because there's a very minimal punishment. Um, then you have the whole changing of the ball. And apparently there's two different baseballs that they've been using, which is another story that seems to be unfolding. Although I think it's kind of been detracted due to this MLB lockout, which is the first time that this is a uh, since 1994 or whatever it is where that baseball is inactive and you know i think this kind of stems from two years ago in 2020 when there was a lot of tension between the owners and the players and that caused a lot of delay for us to get a shortened season i, I we didn't get till we didn't get baseball till july or whatever and it's it was a 60 game season if both the owners and the players put their differences aside maybe we would have had a hundred game season who knows and Base, so, baseball needs to find a guy like Adam Silver is to the NBA. They need to find their Adam Silver because what, what's been happening even before Manfred with Seelig was bad too. So you've got two commissioners back to back that just haven't done well. But here's the thing, which a lot of people forget is Rob Manfred works for the owners yeah. and the owners love Rob Manfred. Rob Manfred takes all, almost all of the blame. I would say about 90 to 95% of the blame. And the owners couldn't be happier with that uh, because he's just doing their bidding. And I think a lot of people forget that while Rob Manfred is terrible and I am in no way defending him, uh, he's working, you know, for the owners behind the, the owners are behind the curtain. That is Rob Manfred. I mean, he is a puppet and he does his job well for what he's, hired to do, which is to cater to the owner's needs. Right. Yeah. But, but he did, but the, it wasn't the owners that wanted Ken Rosenthal out. I mean, right. Uh, so. it, it, yeah. It, little things like this is that that's just pathetic. Uh, but in the greater scheme of things, you know, with the bigger picture, bigger picture issues, uh, Rob Manfred's just basically doing what he's told. I, I don't understand how the owners back Manfred when the game isn't growing and you have teams like Baltimore and Tampa Bay that aren't generating money. Well, I, I mean, I think they, they are generating money uh, because of the, the TV revenue split deal, that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think the other, you know, 28 owners are more than happy taking in the money and, and not having a huge change in the status quo because they're, they're making money and they're not losing money. I guess. But yeah, back to Ken Rosenthal, the difference between Rob Manfred and a good commissioner, uh, David Aldridge, who was an NBA insider, tweeted out that when he was critical of David Stern, who was the commissioner of the NBA back then, what Stern did was called him up and they had a mature discussion, not Manfred going behind Rosenthal's back and I guess begging his bosses to have him terminated. So that's just the difference of what these two characters are. And it's a shame because we should talk about the lockout just real quick, wrapping things up. According to Bob Nightingale, you know, they don't have a meeting set aside. And then Jeff Passan recently wrote on ESPN 
that he thinks things could start to pick up in late January, but he also has some skepticism whether that they get this thing going together. And I'm starting to think that we are going to lose spring training and we might lose some regular season games. You mean lose spring training altogether yeah. or just, wow. I don't think they would do that. I, think I, don't know, I don't know if you, I don't know how you would do that. I don't think you can. Uh, if you're going to lose the March spring training, then the regular season is going to be delayed because they are yes. going to have some well, kind right. of spring. Well, yeah, training. Obviously I'm talking about the scheduled spring training. Okay. Well, we're going to lose that. I can yeah. see it happening. I still think the season starts on time. Uh, like, like we've talked about on this episode before the owners are in no hurry uh, because as I've said before, I, I think the players have a lot more to lose. Yes. The owners have more overall money to lose, but the, the, the money the players would be losing greatly affects them more than, than the owners, you know, if they were to lose money. Uh, and because- I think, and I think the owners calculated that risk too for the players, oh, yeah. which is why they instituted the lockout in the first place. It's, it, you know, it's to try and drive the players back to the bargaining table. Right. But I think, yeah, most likely it's looking like we will, I, I wouldn't say lose spring training, but definitely delay the start of it. Um, it may be shorter than most spring trainings, which you know, at any rate, I think spring training may be just a little, a tad too long, if you ask me. Um, so that might work out in, in someone's benefit. Um, and if, if, if for nothing else, Guarantee but the players don't feel that way. You think the you think all the players are in agreement that they want spring training to be as long as it, as it currently is not the established guys, but definitely all the minor leaguers and the guys trying to make the cusp. I know that the Dodgers, it's more of a rare thing where they're stacked in talent, but there's a lot of other teams out there where you have your 15 guys locked and then you have another 10, 10 spots, I guess 11 spots available, and there's 30 guys go, gunning for those spots. No, I totally get that. But as, as a fan, which I think you know, the owners may value the fans more than the players do, um, I think that it wouldn't matter one way or the other if it's, if it's long or short. And if it's shorter, that means we know we get to the season a little quicker, but you know, I'm just speculating. I don't have any, you know, uh, insider knowledge here, but yeah, it's bad. I mean, they, they haven't discussed anything since the lockout, literally nothing. Yeah. Couple of other, couple other things I wanted to just touch on real quick and then we'll get to the fun stuff, but this is fun for me. Clayton Kershaw was spotted courtside at a Dallas Mavericks game just the other evening, uh, Wednesday night, January 5th. It was actually Dirk Nowitzki's jersey retirement ceremony. And if you know Clayton Kershaw, he's, a da- he's from the Dallas area. Dirk's one of his favorite all-time athletes. So he's sitting next to a bunch of Cowboys. Doesn't mean anything other than just it's cool to see Kershaw at a sporting event. And he looked, he looked pretty happy. Um, I don't know if you guys wanted to add anything on Clayton Kershaw. And then uh, – what else was I going to talk about? The so local Dallas man attends local sporting event is the headline there. There are yeah. some. The only reason it means anything to anybody is because he's currently a free agent. Otherwise, it would mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. And it still means nothing, but people like to run with it anyway. And then just the other thing I wanted to get on this show real quick is that David Vasse recently reported that the Dodgers – and Kenley Jansen, there is some mutual interest that does exist between the two parties of a, re- a reunion. Uh, the difference is, though, that Kenley Jansen is currently seeking a three-year deal, 
and he was not able to find that before the lockout. The most that he was able to receive from any ball clubs right now was two years. So my question on this show is, do you think Kenley Jansen is a must resign? And what I mean with that is, should we give him a three-year contract? I don't think he's a must resign. I really don't. I think the Dodgers will be okay without him. However, I feel that with the loss of Scherzer and the loss of Seager, it does give me a little bit more optimism that they could strike a deal. I don't know if I would go for a third year. Um, even though he did pitch lights out last year, I think, what is he, 33, 34, 34. something like 34. So a two-year deal would put him at 36. I, I don't want a 36, 37-year-old Kenley Jansen at the back end of my bullpen, you know, I think two year, two, two years or well, three years is generous. Two years seems about right. I would agree. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to a return of Kenley Jansen. I, I really wouldn't, but the price would have to be reasonable. And after his season last year, I don't think it's going to fit my parameters of reasonable uh, teams always need relievers. Because he's 34, I think a team is going to be more willing to spend a high AAV on a short-term two- or three-year deal uh, than they would, you know, like a Liam Hendricks, whatever he got for four or five years. Um, yeah, Raul Iglesias. Yeah, Rizal Iglesias. Um, I think it's not likely, but if he wants to return and he, you know, he wants to keep his family in L.A., I think it's possible. I would welcome it. Sure. For the right, for the right price, 100%. Yes. But if you look at the Dodgers roster right now, the one area they don't need anything is the bullpen. That bullpen is ready to go as it stands right now. I wouldn't make I, I on that same on that same point. I wouldn't make Kenley Jansen a priority once baseball resumes. Um, he is a complimentary piece. If you get him, you get him. It's great. If not, okay, fine, but the the emphasis has to be starting rotation. Yeah. And 100%. then beyond that is Freddie Freeman, I think. I think um, that was always a pipe dream. Um, but we'll, we'll get I, to I that agree. We'll get to that later. But back to Kenley Jansen. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same page as you guys. I just think based off his last season, he skyrocketed his free agency value. And I'm just now in the firm belief that you should not be paying aging relievers. 10 plus million multi-year contracts. And obviously Jansen's fits that mold. I think it's time to move on. Uh, the fan graphs zips projections have our Dodgers bullpen with a 5.8 war, which is near the tops already in major league baseball. And that's not factoring in probably the emergence of guys like Bruce R. Gratterall, maybe Evan Phillips improves. Phil Bickford might be closing some games out for the Dodgers. And uh, I think, Based off what I'm reading about Victor Gonzalez, he's a great bounce-back candidate. Apparently, a reporter down in Mexico put out a, um, a tweet, some tweets and an article stating that Victor Gonzalez has already lost 30 pounds this offseason and that he took 2021 to heart and he really wants to bounce back and be a legitimate, or be a legitimate reliable reliever for the Dodgers bullpen. So love hearing that. It sounds like 2021 was a humbling experience for young Victor. I, I mean, I couldn't, I don't see how it couldn't be. Uh, it was, 
it was brutal there for him. And also I know he was dealing with some injuries too, with his knee. Um, it would be great to see him, to see him bounce back. Also, it'd be great to see uh, Ferguson come yeah. back and Tommy Conley and, yeah, Tommy, and those guys, Tommy Canley is Canley. Gonna be, yeah. Uh, he's definitely going to be part of the setup r- role for sure. So excited to see what he brings to the Dodgers bullpen. I I'm with you guys. We don't need to really add any more relievers other than maybe like one fringe. Let's gamble with this guy, pay him a million or $2 and see how that rolls out. Cause I think it's pretty sad. We got to focus on the starting rotation, which is just incomplete at this point. The way I look at it, 2023, this, this rotation is going to be absolutely stacked once Pepio and Bobby Miller and maybe Landon Knack are all major league viable. And then you get Dustin May fully recuperated from the Tommy John. And then Walker Buehler and Urias will still be there. But for 2022, it's, it's definitely incomplete. I'm honestly, at this point, if we can't bring back Clayton Kershaw, I think we just need to sign Zach Greggy to a one-year deal, a nice little veteran stopgap. And who knows, maybe he retires in Dodger blue and he goes into the Hall of Fame as a Dodger. That'd be pretty awesome to see. Oh, I, I don't know about Zach Greinke. I, I really don't. I, I They need a lot starting pitching-wise. Uh, I think Clayton Kershaw is step one to that problem. Uh, and like I've said for years, I, I think that's an absolute lock. Uh, he's either staying in Dallas to be with his kids or he's coming back as a Dodger. After Kershaw, there's still a giant question mark, and that's Trevor Bauer. Uh, we don't know what their plan is with that. We don't know what MLB's suspension or no suspension is going to be. We don't know if the Dodgers are willing to have him back on the team or if they're just going to cut him loose, eat the money, uh, and appease some of the fan base. So that's the biggest question mark, and that's what we don't know because that's, you know, their whole plan is is they they know what they're going to do. I I can guarantee you the Dodgers know what they're going to do. But for us to not know what they're going to do in that department makes it very hard for us to speculate what their plan is for the starting rotation. Also, if you if you followed Trevor Bauer, he seems to think he's going to pitch as yeah. a Dodger. Yeah, um, he's been quote tweeting a lot of people that are supposedly very excited to see him pitch as a Dodger again, and he is quote tweeting saying looking forward to it all of that. So he may know something we don't know in that whole process but what's really annoying about all of this is is major league baseball has basically held up this entire thing way longer than they should and because of that the dodgers can't make a decision um and so that needs to happen first major league baseball needs to make a freaking decision on this guy suspend him don't suspend him ban him forever i don't know but they need to make a decision so that the dodgers can make a decision about their freaking roster and you know this lockout kind of saved major league baseball in a way so that they can kick the can a little bit further down the road but this is ridiculous this is getting ridiculous the dodgers have a roster to build and they need to know what what to do next not like they can do anything about trevor bauer right now since there is a lockout right that's my point but as soon as the as soon as baseball resumes more because i think once this thing the lockout ends there's going to be an instant flurry of just free agent signings and trades and all that we're supposedly there's no communication but i don't really buy that somehow along the lines there is some type of tampering going on yeah there's no way they can enforce that entirely and i don't think they care to enforce that i think that's just what the guidelines are set and i think there is some communication of some kind but it's a big deal if you know trevor bauer is going to pitch for you next year like i think 
I think the Dodgers know. I, I, I really do. I think that MLB and the Dodgers have not necessarily said anything to the public or to the press or anything like that, but they have 100% have conversations between MLB officials and between the Dodgers organization about that entire situation. There's no way they could keep them in the dark this long. Yeah. It's a mess. All right, David, you want to get this thing going or do you want to talk a couple time? more Dodger things real quick? I don't know. Do you guys have any other Dodgers or baseball topics before we get into this uh, fun little draft here? I do just to touch on Freddie Freeman once more real quick. I think this idea of Freddie Freeman going to the Dodgers is probably almost as strong as Freddie Freeman returning to the Atlanta Braves at this point. That's, from what that's a hot take. From what I'm hearing, Freddie <laughs> Freeman is absolutely pissed that the Atlanta Braves didn't even offer him anything before the lockout. And he's supposed to be the heart of their franchise. Freeman is a SoCal guy, as most people know at this point. And that there, there are ties between the Dodgers and Freeman of making something happen. You know, all he really wants is 6 180, 6 200. And the Dodgers, in my opinion, they need Freddie Freeman more than we want to admit. Just given the circumstance that Max Muncy has a tear, has a tear in his elbow, we don't know the timetable exactly, although the recent reports, I believe, is Muncy is expected to be ready when the regular season goes. We lost Corey Seager. Obviously, that's a huge bat. As much as we want to believe that Gavin Lux is supposed to be the next big thing, he hasn't really proven it yet. And then you have Trey Turner who will be awesome in 2022, but there's no guarantee that he resigns with the Dodgers as well. The way, and then you have Justin Turner, who is an aging third baseman, and I expect major regression to come his way. And you can make the same case for A.J. Pollock. This Dodgers lineup, we saw how inconsistent it was basically throughout all of 2021, and that was the downfall in the postseason as well. Freddie Freeman is almost a guarantee to start every day, given that he's healthy. And I think he's ready to make the jump to Los Angeles. Everything you hear from players, they love playing for the Dodgers. So why not Freddie Freeman jump aboard? I think if the Dodgers sign Freddie Freeman, he'll have just as big of an impact, if not more than an impact than when the Dodgers got Adrian Gonzalez. And I think that those are, those are two uh, first basemen in some, I I believe they were around the same age. uh, He's 32. Yeah. They were around the same age when when Adrian Gonzalez came over to the Dodgers, and that just changed the entire culture of the team, the entire attitude of the team. I think Freddie Freeman could provide that as well. I don't think, though, that it is as 50-50 as Kevin thinks it is between him deciding to go back to Atlanta versus coming to L.A. I think it's actually more 60-40 um, that he – 60 even, being – Even that for me is not enough. Um, I think, I think, I think the fact that they couldn't get a, a deal done before the lockout is very telling. Um, so that's why I would think that 40% has me saying that he's, that he'd be coming, coming to the Dodgers, but I do think it's between the Dodgers and the Braves. Um, I don't think that there may be another team out there, but honestly, I think with the Max Muncy injury, there is definitely incentive there. And, and the Dodgers, I think should make this move. Definitely. All right. So I'm not quite as optimistic about this whole situation as both of you are. I, I don't think this is likely. I think at best, it's a 20% chance at, at absolute best at, as it is right now. I, I don't think the Braves are necessarily in a giant hurry 
before the lockout to sign him. I think they know that he wants to come back. I think they know that they'll get it done at some point. They weren't going to be put under a, a specific time clock just because of a lockout. That being said, he would help this team tremendously. Uh, like Kevin said, they lose a left-handed bat in Corey Seager. Plug Freddie Freeman in, no problem. You're probably going to get the DH, so there's there's plenty of room for him. My question is, Max Muncy is under contract for 2022 for 11 million, 11.5 million, and a club option for 2023 uh, at 13 million. He is 31 years old right now. So if you sign Freddie Freeman to a, I don't know, six six year contract, what are you going to do with Max Muncy when he's a free agent after 2023? I don't see why you don't just resign him if there's a DH. I mean, yeah, you you absolutely could. Uh, I, I, what, one thing I, I'm absolutely going to rule out that I've seen on Twitter is moving Max Muncy as a, to, to the full-time second base position. That's not going to happen. That, well, yeah, well, that's just well, not happening. His daughter's debut playing third base and we might have vacancy at third base. So there you I don't go. want him playing third. That's the thing. He's, he's a great phenomenal first baseman and he's a, he's a solid get by second and third baseman. I would say he's a better second baseman than third baseman. Yeah. I mean, the range is not ideal, but, but yeah, I would agree. And the arm strength too. I mean, I think he, he does play a solid second base. I think he, I, and this is just me talking out of my ass, but he may be a better second baseman or comparable to like a Jeff Kent. Yeah. I mean, he could get by, but when you get older, it's, going to be tough to play that position you know middle infield is not friendly to right but with the dh it does i mean i don't see why you why you couldn't resign him yeah exactly you could could. it's just a question i mean the bigger the bigger question is is the trey turner cody bellinger thing yeah yeah i mean you're you're gonna pay bueller yes they're they're good you you have to pay bueller like no matter what you got to pay that man yeah not worried about bueller but I mean, we can get into it more in another episode, but just like looking at some Zips projections, Cody Bellinger is one that stands out to me. I think he'll do better than this, but right now he's projected to hit 245 with a 333 on base and a 477 slugging. Top that off with 25 home runs and 84 RBIs. If that's what we're going to get out of Bellinger next season, it's not gonna, that's not going to be enough for me, especially after losing Seager. I think Brett- that that projection is BS. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's based that's literally based on the fact that he had little, one of the worst seasons well, ever what about 2020 what do you mean what about 2020 he put up or yeah 2020 he put up he put up a very yeah bellinger like slash line and he was healthy he did yeah that's true however only 60 games so you don't know yeah. what it would have been like for a full season yep, and he came alive enough. in the postseason both back-to-back years yep well, some guys are made for the postseason, but yeah, it's, it's, who knows? I, I think the 25 to 30 home runs projection is kind of on the nail for Bellinger, but we have a lot of, we have a lot of off season still to go, so we can save that for another day. Um, but yeah, Freddie Freeman, just to finish off this subject, I was looking at his baseball savant page and it was even better than I realized he has a, it's all red. It's all near the hundred percentiles, but his expecting batting average was 100 out of 100. He was he hit 301 I think this season, but he actually was had an expecting batting average of 319. 
So this guy is – he is legit. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. All right, David, let's do this. All right. Uh, with the lockout, we need to be creative here. So our idea was to have an apocalypse draft. And what that means is we are each going to draft five people who we would most want on our squad during an apocalypse. Now, there's no specifications for the apocalypse. There, maybe there's zombies. Maybe the world has just gone to hell. There's, the, there's no more government. There's no more police. There's no more states. It's just everybody for themselves. That's the parameters of the apocalypse. The only restrictions for the draft. You can't draft superheroes or anyone with superpowers. You can draft fictional people. And you can draft alive people. You can't draft dead people. That's it. So we did a draft lottery and team Jake Reiner has secured the number one pick. I have secured the number two pick and Kevin has secured the number three pick. So with that, Jake is on the clock. And I'm going to go right away since I knew about this order uh, this afternoon. Um, and I was really happy to get the number one pick because uh, this guy is just your jack of all trades. Um, so I'm going to go with Liam Neeson in Taken. And that's who I'm going to take. That's a great pr- pick. Pretty self-explanatory as to why. Do we know his character name? Because I, I don't know. it. I'll look it up while you guys are <laughs> mulling about. He was the number three player on my draft board. I just wanted to get that out there. And I think Mel Kuyper had him fourth. <laughs> a solid, a solid first overall pick. Okay, sorry. Let me just uh, inject this here. Brian Mills is his Brian, name. Brian Mills. Cool. Off the board. All right. My first pick. Also a jack of all trades. Uh, can kind of plug him in in any spot you need him to. He can get out of a jam. It's Jason Bourne. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, need him on my team. He can do anything for me. Offers protection. Quick-witted. Needed him. Needed him. Got him. Signed him. So I'm going a different route than you guys. I get back-to-back picks, so I'm glad I can do this. Otherwise, I'd be worried about the second guy I'm going to say. But the first guy, we need a leader on my squad, and I need someone that's battled the worst adversity in United States history. So that's why I'm taking Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) I just, I just said we can't draft dead people. Are we making an exception? Can we just, Oh, I thought I, I thought I didn't realize that was a thing. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I I thought it was time. I can do a different pick. I'm going to allow, I'm going to make an exception because this is really funny. I want to hear where this goes. Wow. Hot out the gate with Abe Lincoln. Yeah. Go ahead, Kevin. I'm allowing it. Okay. Do I need to elaborate more? Move on. To I kind of want to hear. Yeah. yeah I first really pick. Would, yeah. I want to hear. Yeah. All right. I mean, so this is an apocalypse and basically the civil war was an apocalypse. We had the North and the South killing each other. And Abe Lincoln was able to make that war end through all, all his <laughs> Abe Lincoln-ness. Obviously there's more to it, which is a long history lecture, but. The guy didn't sleep. I need he. I need someone that can stay up at night, coming up with strategic plans. This guy knows how to lead a military. So I don't know if yeah. we're going to war at any point, but Abe Lincoln's going to get that job done for me. I have no doubt. You might have to spend some money on his security detail, though. Yeah. <laughs> the the one thing, yeah, the one thing I am worried about, he's not good at watching his back. John John Wilkes <laughs> Booth is still on the board. <laughs> still on the board. Take both of them. So, <laughs> all right. Second pick. 
this one doesn't need as much explanation, but I'm going with Indiana Jones. Ooh, nice. I like he it. was on my board. The guy is the best archaeologist of all time, even though he's fictional. But I've seen that guy handle giant boulders. I've seen that guy avoid the glimpses of that snake and other demons that like turn you into skeletons. I have no doubt that if it's zombies or some other weird apocalypse, Indiana Jones, we need that utility man, the, the go-to warrior. So we're going with Indiana. Okay. Abraham Lincoln and Indiana Jones are off the board with my second, second round pick. This is a toss up here. I didn't think both of these guys were going to be on the board. So I'm going to have to make a, a, a coin flip decision here. I'm going to go with John wick. Uh, pairing him with Jason Bourne Jesus. is basically just a, a super team. I mean, this is, this is Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis territory. Nobody is touching us. Jason Bourne, John wick off the board security, security blanket, now I have some wiggle room with my final three picks. So John Wick is off the board. Okay. All right. So I got two picks in a row, right? You do. Okay. <sighs> Let's see here. All right. I'm going to go with um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Just okay. any, any version of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> WWE the rock. I mean, just, I mean, the dude was in San Andreas, all those movies, freaking fast and furious. The guy is just muscle and um, he's pretty funny too. So he'd be uh, cracking jokes as well. Really nice guy, really nice yep. guy, but, but also a badass. Yep. Um, all right. So I've got Liam Neeson and uh, the rock. <laughs> Look, feeding the rock. You might, you might lose one of your guys. He might eat one of them. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to actually go with, Okay, I'm going to go a little strategy here. And I'm going to go with um hmm, this is tough. Yeah. I'm going to go with Tom Hanks in Castaway. Interesting. Yes, because no dude was faced with more adversity by himself on an island than Tom Hanks. Also, the dude knows how to make fire. He knows how to uh, scavenge for food. Yeah, I mean, he has been on his own the entire time. You know, bringing um, bringing Wilson with him is an option, but that's up to him. You know, okay. if he needs Wilson with him. But Tom Hanks and Castaway, I'm going. That's going a guy like that pick a lot. That's a, that's a value pick in round three. Offers a lot of experience. Wasn't on my board, but that's a solid pick. Thank you. Third round pick for me. This is an easy one for me. Every squad needs a doctor. I can't think of a better doctor than Dr. House. Uh, <laughs> nice. The dude knows how to cure everything. He's kind of an asshole, so we'll need John Wick and Jason Bourne to keep him in line. Uh, but any anybody comes across any sickness or anything, we need to figure something out. Dr. House is going to be on it. So he's my third round it. pick. Love it. All right. I'm not seeing you guys drafting any woman, which has me question – what kind of people you are. So I'm going with Ellen Ripley as my third pick. The, this lady woman, she battled aliens and she had no problem destroying any alien that crossed her path. Zombies or any extra um, aliens or whatever that come our way. I have no doubt this. She's a leader. I don't even think she's technically born yet, but whatever we'll go with it. She had to survive the future. So we're bringing her a little 
This is uh, is this Sigourney Weaver's character? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, aliens and alien and all that. I like it. <sighs> all right, and then I got to go again. So here we go. Fourth pick. My squad's almost finished here, but we're going with Oprah Winfrey. Oh my wow. god. <laughs> we need the right. money. What the One, hell, we need bro. we need the money. We need, we need money the is fun- is obsolete. I disagree. <laughs> we're going to need that funding because I have no doubt we're turning this video around. <laughs> what the hell is media, this pick? He's a media mogul. She knows how to get it media? done. Media? Yeah. There's no there's nothing anymore. It's the apocalypse. What is there? CNN and and Fox News still doing broadcasts? You're not, don't convince him out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go Oprah, up against Oprah Winfrey. Oprah is invincible. There has never been any Oprah slander ever, other than maybe when people questioned her weight. But besides that, <laughs> she always gets away with anything. And I need power like that on my team. So we went with two ladies back Maybe to back. motivation too. There you go. I, I, I just can't fathom that pick. I, I don't even know where to go with that one um was nowhere near my draft board (laughs) like could not have been farther away from my draft board Uh, you question is is the wealth even (laughs) worth it you know it's it's the the apocalypse where i don't think anybody's buying anything at this point uh i guess maybe there's a bunker maybe she's got a bunker which could be useful she's got a big house yeah well you better hope abe lincoln and ellen ripley will be able to protect it all right after that shocking and stunning pick where Oprah Winfrey is off the board, despite being near nobody's radar on, on earth besides Kevin's. I, I mean, I get it for the money, but other than that, seems like a giant liability. So I, I'm still just completely stunned. Nonetheless, Oprah is off the board and it's my turn. This is an easy pick for me. Uh, again, didn't think he'd be here this long. I'm going to pair. I'm going to create the biggest and most baddest trio you could possibly form. <laughs> oh, God. And go with Maximus from Gladiator. Oh, he was on my board. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't see how anybody is coming near me with Jason Bourne, John Wick, and Maximus. Uh, I got Dr. House in reserve. And still one more pick left. So this was an easy pick for me. I considered him in the second round. Uh, so once he fell to the fourth round, it's a no-brainer for me. I don't know. It sounds like you're going to have some culture problems. <laughs> a lot of a lot of alpha males in one squad. I don't know if it's going to work out for you. Yeah, not very, not I, I still diverse. have a fifth. I still have a fifth round pick. Uh, you Dr. Know, House is born. Dr. House is alpha too. Yeah, but Dr. House is, is just there to, you know, cure anybody who gets hurt or anything like that. You know, Maximus, born leader, Jason Bourne, clean cut, John Wick, hard killer. Goal. So, you know, here it is what it is. All right. So I have uh, Liam Neeson, The Rock, Tom Hankson, Castaway, and my four. Why are you shaking your head? You don't know these character names. Well, we'll figure that out later. We know who he's talking about. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Come help on. the listeners. They know. They, they know Liam Neeson and in, in Taken, but course. they don't know David Mills or whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, Brian. Brian, see? <laughs> Brian Mills. Um, the third pick, uh, let's see. 
Wait, I'm gonna I, go- I, have a, I have a thing. I have something Our to say pick, before, you, say. before you make a pick. Okay. Since Kevin drafted a dead person, I'm going to give each of us the option to draft one dead person. Okay. Now, granted, he had time to think about this. I, I mean, know he you had- drafted a dead person. Who? The gladiator guy. Uh, it's fictional characters different than a dead <laughs> but person. But he died. He was never alive. But he died. That's not the same thing. <laughs> it kind of is. So, Jake, if you want uh, to draft a dead person, I'm going to allow it. Uh, I know we're kind of in a time crunch here. So, if you need to take a couple seconds, take 30 no, seconds. No, no, I, I, I'm. I, I'm fine because I, okay. I, I, I picked these guys thinking that we could draft dead people. So I, I, I don't have a dead okay. person on here actually, but I, um, I have, I have my board. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go with, uh, and this is the, this is a character name for you, Kevin, because I know you care about that. Um, I'm going to go with Carrie Matheson from Homeland. Um, Carrie is uh, one of the smartest characters on tv she's a bit emotional a little a little a little over the top a little bipolar but we need a little bit of crazy uh we need she she's always able to get herself out of any situation she's a badass uh she she can kill someone if we need to but she's also really good with strategy uh so it's a cerebral pick as well um and that's why i'm going with carrie matheson all right uh my final final pick Hmm. Do I want muscle or do I want brains? What do I want? Well, I have a, I have a couple of, I have a brainy in Carrie Matheson. So I'm going to go with, Ooh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going muscle. I'm going with King Leonidas in 300. Yep. King Leonidas, baby. Sparta, let's go. That's a phenomenal pick. Uh, now we both have Gerard Butler on our team. <laughs> yeah. uh, Wait. Oh, you don't. What do you mean? Are you saying, did you just fix up Russell Crowe with Gerard Butler? Yes, I did. I did. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I was going to say. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot that was Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, we, we have some time to get to know our team because I gotta I gotta learn the names of, of some of my my people, but I know King Leonidas. Yeah. Okay. Uh I'm I'm kind of stuck here for my for my last pick. Uh the dead guy kind of threw me off. I didn't know I could draft dead people. Well, you already did. So now I'm no, I didn't. <laughs> uh he's very much alive in the movie. Both um, of you drafted dead warriors. I don't know how bold that is. Well, did you see the matchup? Did you see the matchup King Leonidas was up against? Yeah, okay. that was that was insurmountable for any insurmountable. But he held his ground for as long King as King Leonidas did. in the fifth round is by far the best value pick so far. It is. Uh, we'll I mean, see. who do you think is going to win in a fight, King Leonidas or Oprah? <laughs> <laughs> what is she going to do? Fly away on her spacecraft that she doesn't have? I mean, if you're going to go that route, why not Elon Musk, who I'm considering drafting right now? Well, that'd actually be a good pick because then you could get cars and you could get spacecrafts. I, I'm, I know, Kev, I know you have one more pick left, but I feel like you're not going to take any of these guys. So I'm just going to let everybody know who I'm debating between here. Elon Musk, SEAL Team 6 member, George Washington, as of five minutes ago, and Nick Cage from Con Air. 
but I feel like I already have enough muscle. I think I need a leader here. Although Jason Bourne is kind of a good team captain, so I'm, I'm either going to go with George Washington or Elon Musk here. I'm going to go with George Washington. Uh, wow. we, need, we need a leader. We need a guy who can really rally the troops here. I didn't know we could take dead people, uh, but when it came, when push comes to shove, we do have a lot of personalities in this locker room, uh, and George Washington is the perfect guy to, to, to bring it all together. I thought you were going to go Elon Musk because you need an innovator. You need someone maybe could rebuild something or, you know, come up with, come up with, you know, someone that can kind of foresee the future. Maybe that's why All I right, got fine. You know what? I actually forgot I someone. Can I, can I take back my pick? Wow. Is that allowed? I well, I guess so. Since it's your, it's your game. Okay. I'm actually going to take Matthew McConaughey's character from interstellar. Cooper, because did you guys see the movie? Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to picture him in that. He's movie. like the pilot. It seems like a downgrade, but I'm all for it. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not a downgrade because he he's also he was a farmer, so he can grow food. He's also a pilot, and he's a great leader, and he knows science. So, sorry, George Washington. I'm going to stick to my original rules of the game. I'm going with Matthew McConaughey's character from Interstellar. Okay. Okay. All right, Kevin, round us out. All right. The, the fifth pick was the toughest one for me. The other four were like no brainers, but this one I went a little <laughs> back and forth. I started I, near the end. I was debating if I wanted Kevin McAllister from Home Alone on my team. Oh, my, oh God. my God. What the are guy, you doing? The guy is the master. What are setting, you doing? The guy is the master <sighs> of setting booby traps and never getting caught. Yeah, but, for two idiot robbers. <laughs> But it wasn't wise enough. So then I debated, maybe I want Santa Claus on my team. But then I was like, wait a second. Santa has powers, so he's probably ineligible. Even though he knows when you've been naughty and he knows when you've been nice and he can fly. You can have Santa Claus. We'll let yeah, you I mean, What is Santa Claus going to do in the apocalypse? Got, so Give here's what, coal? This is where the logic comes into play. The guy is the ultimate craftsman. He can build basically anything. So... If we needed weapons, I'm sure Santa could have built them. If we needed homes, I'm sure he built the North Pole home from scratch. So reliable workhorse. But in the end, I decided to go with the best chef of my lifetime, and that's Chef Gordon Ramsay. Oh, my the guy God. guy is tough as <laughs> F word of anyone that was said today. He will break down anyone. So no doubt about it. Um, Gordon Ramsay is my guy. The guy is a master cook. We need food. We're going to need someone to feed the troops. Gordon's that guy. I think he was a former professional soccer player or played soccer in his youth. So he's got the athleticism. As yeah, well. that'll help. He can probably run really fast too. And the guy knows how to use a knife. I bet of anyone listed today, Gordon Ramsay knows how to cut anyone's arteries or jugulars or anything better stop than anyone. It. Said Just stop it. I would not want to fight that man. We're not bringing guns to this knife fight. He'll kill anyone with those butcher knives. Okay. So, all right. What's your final pick? That was his final pick. Wait, I thought he has two picks. No, not at the end. No, no, no. You had two at the end. He had, he, the first pick of the fourth round was Oprah Winfrey. Okay. (laughs) So I think we've established Kevin's team is going to be dead within the first week. 
uh, unless Indiana Jones can hold down the fort. But all right, oh, here's yeah. I forgot about Indiana Jones. Hey, the right, I'm gonna to I'm Ellen. gonna I'm gonna list the rosters. Uh, hopefully, I can make some kind of graphic and we can let everybody decide who would survive the longest. But here are the rosters: Team Jake Reiner, led by first overall pick Liam Neeson from Taken, The Rock, Tom Hanks from Castaway. Carrie Matheson from Homeland and King Leonidas from 300. Phenomenal. Hell yeah. Phenomenal, well-rounded roster, if I might add. Team David Rosenthal, led by second overall pick, Jason Bourne. Pair him with John Wick, Dr. House, Maximus from Gladiator, and Matthew McConaughey's character from Interstellar, who is a astronaut, pilot, scientist, and farmer. Uh, and bookshelf well okay he <laughs> that's, he that's not a knock that's just part of the movie he was in he a understood I, I could have drafted his daughter in that movie which might have been a better pick honestly but kevin's team first overall pick for him or first round pick for him third overall abraham lincoln curveball right off the start been dead for a long time but that's okay indiana jones Ellen that's Ripley. Actually my fi- that's actually my favorite of his picks. The Indiana yeah, Jones yeah. pick. Yeah. Uh, third round pick for Kevin was Ellen Ripley from Alien, Sigourney Weaver's character. Fourth round pick was Oprah with a giant question mark on my notes. And number five was Gordon Ramsay, who per Kevin can kill anybody drafted here. Which Most was underrated, nine. best value award. Well, that's, I mean, you're, yeah, I mean, she can, he can cook gourmet meals for Oprah and then you guys can get whooped by jason bourne and john wick i think would be i i think what we should do fighting each other right the whole point is just to survive well yeah but if i want to survive i'm going to send my squad over to take over oprah's mansion and who do you think is going to be the casualty of that probably gordon uh, ramsay the gladiator guy because he dies well okay go what were you going to say jake I think I think it would be cool to go through some of our boards to see who else we were considering because okay. I have I have a few on here that I really liked but I didn't choose. I have the um, same. Go ahead. All right, I'll go with my with my the rest of my board. So honorable I have mentions. honorable mentions exactly. So I have um, Danny Ocean, which is George Clooney's okay. character from Ocean's Eleven. Um, I had Russell Crowe in Gladiator. Yeah. Um, I had any winning contestant of Naked and Afraid because <laughs> just, good, I mean, unreal, unreal amount of survival skills there. Yeah. Um, I also had any winning member of the show Survivor. Mm, um, that's, uh, that would have been bad. Um, I have uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Um, as uh, this is, I don't know if I would have ever chosen this guy, but I had to put him on here. Uh, Kobe Bryant. Um, just, yeah, just leader. A, a will, will to live, you know, exactly motivator. Um, and then this is the, the last one, which I'm not sure if you guys know this character, but, um, if you ever seen the movie Dawn of the Dead, um, there's, uh, an actor named Ving Rhames who's yeah, in that movie Ving and he is an absolute badass. He would be a badass just as an actor, just having Ving Rhames, uh, but the, specifically, his character in Dawn of the Dead, he as soon as he comes into the into the movie, he saves the day. And I felt very safe with him watching the rest of that film. That's so, what I have. 
All right. Uh, on my board, who was not drafted, this this surprised me that he wasn't drafted. John McClain from Die Hard. Uh, stunner mm. not being drafted, in my opinion. Uh, Nick Cage from Con Air, also. Criminal, but showed great poise and leadership at the end. Can also walk through bullets, apparently. <laughs> also, Nick Cage from uh, National Treasure. National Treasure. Uh, two Nick Cages. Second one is a bit more silly, but kind of quirky, kind of can figure anything out, puzzle guy. Uh, Elon Musk was also on my board for similar reasons to Oprah Winfrey, but I feel like way better because he's like a SpaceX guy and Tesla guy, whereas Oprah's just super rich. Uh, SEAL Team 6, which I said earlier. And finally, any 45-year-old plus guy who lifts at the gym in jeans that one <laughs> that one killed me to not have on my team but there was just simply better options but i would take a squad of just five of those guys and still mop the floor with anybody else all right kevin who is your uh, honorable mentions the one that i'm really surprised no one picked or even said in the honorable mentions was james bond 007 yeah but i yeah. thought about it that's a good one i didn't want to go with him it was just it was too easy. And then Rick Grimes was another one that I thought would be taken off the board too, but overrated in my opinion. So yeah, passed, passed on him, but yeah, felt pretty good with my squad. Still feel great. Doc Brown from back to the future was another one I was flirting with, but time travel, I don't think exists. So I figured one of you guys would fight me on that anyways, but I was going to say, we would time travel before the apocalypse began and just prevent all this. But. Yeah, I'd absolutely not. I would veto the shit out of that. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a loophole that nobody yeah, wanted. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, I'm excited to hear what people think of this. We got to put together a graphic and, and let them decide and make their own teams if they want. Yeah, so I think I'll do better. I, I think I'll do better with this than I did with the, the Dodgers draft. <laughs> I think we all sucked in that Dodgers draft. Yeah. Plus, so, Kevin always Kevin always finds a weird loophole in these things. Like, what did he do? He played like someone at second base for that draft that wasn't supposed to be a second base. Cody, he put no, Cody Hosey somewhere. No, you were mad that I drafted Edwin Rios in the outfield, and then he ended up playing like one inning in the outfield. This oh season. yeah, yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. So it, I was actually on the money there with that pick. I feel like Although there was something with Cody Hosey. Yeah, it's Maybe like I got was... pissed and didn't let me have him, but that's fine because Cody Hosey might be a bust. So worked out for me in that regards yeah all our teams sucked in that one <laughs> yeah yeah thanks a lot sheldon noisy <laughs> but yes the apocalypse draft in the meantime you can let us know whose squad is the best by following us on twitter at the incline pod and responding to any of our messages or adding us which squad you prefer or you can do that on instagram or facebook just look up the incline daughters or at us our Twitter handles are in the description below, so you can do that as well. On that note, I think we should close the show out with just any quick topics you wanted to cover before we end the new year on a high note. Start can, I do a quick out, can I do a quick out of left field? Yeah, go for it. Very quick. And forgive me if I've already done this one, but it's still an issue for me. Um, I know <clears throat> that it is meant to uh, save the environment, save the, save the turtles, uh, if you will. But it's, I, it's straws, isn't it? It's paper straws. Yeah. Yep. I hate paper straws with a passion. 
Um, I am always just very upset whenever I'm handed one. And there are many reasons. One, it gets soggy in the drink. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants floating paper in your drink. It's um, terrorism is what it is. It, it, I mean, yeah, at the very least. And the other issue is that the taste, like you, you sip it through a paper straw, the taste of the drink is altered in a way that you can't really come back from. And I just feel like there are other ways, there are other hills we can die on. There are other better ways, more influential ways to help the environment and save the wildlife than with, you know, forcing everybody to use paper straws. Let's go back to plastic. It just was a better world. I, I completely agree. Uh, if someone is giving me a drink with a paper straw in it, they should have, they should pay me to drink it. I shouldn't pay them for the drink. <laughs> they should pay me for inflicting this terrorism on me. Secondly, you're absolutely right. This, this is a tiny, the tiniest inconsequential dent in the actual problem of environmentalism and trash. Uh, the main thing is commercial fishing, but I'm not going to go on this huge rant. Uh, completely useless, completely and entirely useless. Ruins the flavor for me. Whenever I have a yes. paper straw, it just, it almost ruins my day. Yeah. I, I usually prefer to just drink it without the straw because I don't want that flavor to be tarnished. Like Jake was saying. Same. That's with smoothie. Same. You kind of have to, you're kind of forced to use that uh, paper straw or a milkshake, I suppose. But other than that, I avoid it. Um, on that note, I wanted to add, have you guys seen the, the touchless, soda dispensers at some places now no no like motion sensor in and out has them well some in and outs have them kind of weird you don't even like put your drink on the metal part it just you put your finger in between the kind of socket and oh i have seen those yeah i don't like them it's weird it, you're almost like it's kind of like flirting with danger like you almost touch it but you don't it's very yeah. bizarre to me on that topic, you know which soda machine soda machines suck are the ones where it's like one thing, yes, and you like click the different options. Oh, they're always out of everything on those. Those are never like. But also, but also the cross contamination. The cross contamination. You can taste other flavors. On yeah, it in it's there. just it's the one the one spout where you just pick your thing is just. I don't really no. drink soda ever anyway, but those soda machines are are ass. They're terrible. That's all really, I got, though. I used to really like them. They've kind of gone downhill, but at one point they were kind of exciting because you get you could get strawberry Coca Cola or raspberry Dr Pepper and weird flavors of lemonade. But yeah, the concept is great, but the execution is just poor. Yeah, the yep. the, the maintenance is not keeping up to standard, unfortunately. And Jack in the Box, I noticed they like are almost out of everything every time, so I don't I don't even go there anymore. Jack in the, the box is awful anyway. <laughs> Billy Mac. <laughs> um, I just want to close the show out talking some more Dodgers real quick. The first name that I wanted to touch on real quick is Zach McKinstry, because I feel like he was a forgotten man in the second half of this past season. The injuries unfortunately derailed his, what was essentially a fantastic rookie campaign. He was 883 OPS. I want to say with, few home runs looking at the projections if he can give us 14 home runs and 55 rbis in a full season next season i'll take that i think he's a he's a utility man to definitely buy back in so 
that's the first name I want to mention. The second name I want to talk about is the projections on Tony Gonsolin are pretty horrendous. 456 ERA with a 490 FIP. That's what we're going to get as a potential number four starter. Then, yeah, we need to attack this rotation ASAP because Gonsolin shows a lot of progress at times, but then I don't know what happened last season. He was just pretty horrendous. I don't think he was fully healthy. I think you get, I think you get a healthy Gonsolin and he's a good number four and number five starter. I, I would agree. I think this is his last chance to prove himself. Uh, obviously the Dodgers starting rotation needs a lot of help. Uh, so I think the opportunity is going to be there, but this is going to be his last rodeo uh, before they try to trade him. In my opinion. Uh, I don't like relying on Tony Gonsolin. Like yeah. I don't want yeah. him to be like a, like a, a solid lock in this rotation. Like I want him to be on the periphery, make a few spot starts, have himself pitch his way into the rotation. I don't want to just have him as a member of the five man. hundred percent. And then the last guy is not a Dodger, but I know he's a free agent. I think the Dodgers need to stay clear of Carlos Rodon. This guy is very talented, but the concern with me is he's very injury prone. And even last season, despite having a great campaign, he fell apart in the second half and was, he blew up in the postseason. Now, some of that probably stems on Tony LaRusa not managing his innings properly, but there, there are guys like this every year that just get churned out. And then once they get that big contract, they just completely bust. And I feel like Carlos Rodon has a lot of resemblance to Scott Kazmir. And I guess even Kenta Maeda to an extent where they're good for short stints, but this is a long, these are long seasons. Guys like Rodon do not last. And I know he's going to probably get four or five years, 15 to 20 million range somewhere along the lines of Robbie Ray, but we got to pass on him. I'm sorry. I know there's a lot of fans interested in him, but just like Nathan Eovaldi, stay clear. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I don't really have a strong opinion either way on the matter. All right. Anything else? All right, everyone. That concludes the first episode of 2022. Help us out by giving us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple and follow us on Twitter. And of course, as I just mentioned recently, let us know who drafted the best squad for the apocalypse because Apparently my team isn't good. So if you're on my side, <laughs> let him hear it because I think I'm, I think I have the best team, but you got no muscle, Kevin muscles overrated. Everyone we'll find out. Yes. We'll find out. You'll hear from us next week until then go Dodgers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.